0: Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the All That To Say podcast. Around here, we talk about the hard stuff because I've been through a lot of it and so have you. And therapy has been a monumental part of my coping and my healing since I was in my early 20s. Well, BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash all that to say. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all that to say. Hey, sweet ones, welcome back to the All That To Say podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Klein. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff, A, because I've been through a lot of it, B, because most of you have too, and C, because I believe that we have a God who forgives us completely and wants us to live as forgiven and forgiving people. So yeah, we're talking about forgiveness today. Why, oh, why did I put this off for over a year of doing this podcast? It's one of the most integral parts of being a wholehearted person. Okay. I bet it wouldn't take much thought on your part to think of someone in your life who you know pretty well, who you would describe as an angry or negative person. Like probably right off the top of your head, you could think of somebody. And I bet if you did a little digging... Most of the time, the reason the person is how he or she is, is because something happened to them. There was a fork in the road, they had a choice, forgive or move into bitterness. And that person, for whatever reason, chose not to forgive. And you can see it in their demeanor and you can hear it in their words, And even when they claim to have moved on or they try to mask their pain with sarcasm, the words that come out of them are harsh and bitter because they're stuck. And usually they're stuck in unforgiveness. I can think of a couple people off the top of my head. Each of these people have let their past define them. Each of these people have an edge to them. Each in their own ways are still trying to make the person pay who hurt them, even if the person isn't in their daily lives anymore. But what they also have in common is that unforgiveness does not, for the most part, hurt the offender. It hurts the victim. It adds unnecessary and lingering pain to the original offense. And unforgiveness and bitterness are what keep a victim a victim. And prevent them from moving into becoming a quote unquote survivor. I'm sure you've heard this little analogy, but holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking down poison, but foolishly thinking your offender will die from it. We each need to forgive so that we can be set free and so that we can move forward in our healing and with our lives and stop hurting ourselves further. And those around us with our unresolved pain. Forgiveness is necessary to our healing. But how can we forgive? I don't want to give the impression that forgiveness is a cakewalk. Forgiving others is perhaps our highest calling and our most difficult task as human beings. I think sometimes we find comfort, especially those of us who are used to relational chaos and being hurt on a regular basis, in holding on to unforgiveness like Linus with his dirty frayed blanket. We drag it around with us. We show others our wounds. We look for empathy and pity in the eyes of everyone around us. We are comfortable with our pain. We know how to live in pain and anger. I think sometimes we might actually fear being set free. I think we might fear feeling normal because then what would we do with ourselves? And I think we can fear that forgiveness is equated with condoning. That if we forgive, we're saying it's all okay what the person did to us. It's not. Those aren't the same things. So what steps can you take to move through the forgiveness process? By the way, I have done this a handful of times over the process of my life and it's helped. It has helped me become um, a better Christ follower, a better wife, a better mother, friend, all of it, daughter, all of it. Okay, so step one. We realize that forgiveness is not the same as excusing or overlooking the offenses done to us. If we have been abused or violated or cheated on or lied to or betrayed, it is absolutely not okay. You do not for one moment have to tolerate abuse or pretend it never happened. In fact, to fully forgive someone, you need to be completely honest with yourself about the offenses done to you. Step two, recount the offenses done to you. This step is painful. This step can take a little while, and this step will take courage. You cannot fully move on if you have not fully acknowledged the actual pain you have literally been through. Many, many years ago, my mentor walked me through this step. We were going through the 12 steps at the time together. um, And this is basically step four of the 12 steps. So she told me to list every single thing that I could remember that had been done to me. Great times, as you can imagine. Um, She told me to take my time and to be gentle with myself. She told me it was going to be difficult. She told me that if it became too painful after writing things down for like, say I got to like five memories and it was too much, that it was okay to take a break and to come back to it later or the next day, but that it was important to be thorough and to keep going until I felt I had uncovered all I needed to. This is a really good step to start and finish with prayer. You want the Holy Spirit protecting your heart and guiding you through it. You can either do this as like one list per person who has harmed you or one big list with all the wrong done to you from everyone all in one place. Step three, acknowledge the offenses to another person and or to God out loud. I believe it's important to say things out loud, even though it will be painful. But I think our words have power. And I believe that when we share secrets, it breaks the power that shame has over us. If we say these things out loud and the person who is with us truly hears us and understands and we see only grace and compassion reflected back at us in their eyes, shame can begin to dissipate and healing can continue and deepen. A word of caution. Choose your listener carefully. It should be someone you trust who has a tender heart. Step four spend some time gently thinking back on your life and the ways in which you have hurt others. This step might seem counterintuitive or even masochistic. Why in the world would I suggest to someone who is already in deep pain, struggling to forgive someone? Why would I say, let's maybe uh, (laughs) mix it up a little bit and add some guilt to yourself. Okay, here's the thing. This is probably a little bit farther down the road, taking that step, but I believe it is key to your healing. I believe when we are in the middle of a deep pain that's been caused by someone else, we can tend to become very self-focused, understandably, and at times, if we're not careful, self-righteous. So when you're ready, take some time and examine your life and write down everything you can think of that you have done to hurt someone else. In recovery language, this is, like I said, the fourth step, which is taking a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Here are just some of the effects that this step should produce. Humility, a clearer perspective, of our own humanness, a more ready and more open spirit to see that everyone else is just human too. And if you have a faith in God, as was my case when I did my fourth step a few years back, the deep realization and reminder that my sin was enough to send Christ to the cross, even if I were the only person alive And because of the full forgiveness Christ offered me, I was compelled to offer forgiveness to those who had hurt me. And lastly, step five, in some way, I recommend doing something that symbolizes that act of forgiveness that has taken place that would be meaningful to you. Because let's be honest, forgiving forgiveness, it's pretty intangible. So it could be, and again, this could be both ways. This could be when you are forgiving someone or when you're needing forgiveness. So um, a couple ways you could do this. I've done all of these. Um, You could write a letter to the person or people who hurt you, recounting the pain and then saying that you have forgiven them, but then you shred or tear up or burn the letter. It could be going to a church sanctuary and reading the letter as I did with my mentor out loud and then placing it at the foot of the cross, either literally or figuratively. It could be writing the offender's name on a rock and then literally throwing it into a lake. But I believe there needs to be a moment when you as the hurt one can look back and remember that you took that stand against unforgiveness and bitterness and when you willingly chose the better way the higher road the harder path the process of forgiveness is not linear i just listed five steps i know but they are not five easy steps or even necessarily chronological steps this will not go quickly it's not a magic formula odds are you will not automatically feel something tangibly lift off your shoulders or shift in your heart I mean, it would be great. Sometimes God does stuff like that, which is amazing. But you will more than likely have to return to this process in your mind over and over and remind yourself oh, no, 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 like catch yourself. No, no, I forgave him. Remember on whatever day I threw that rock into the lake and I chose to forgive him that day. And that's okay. Forgiveness is a decision. And it's sometimes a decision you need to make over and over. But it will be one of the best decisions you ever make in your healing process. It will set up all of your relationships for more wholeness and holiness and freedom. Also, let's just spend a moment on this. Forgiving does not mean forgetting. That's just like a a saying. (laughs) That's not in the Bible anywhere. Um, There's a difference between forgiving and trusting. Say, for instance, your husband is looking at pornography every night before he comes to bed and he lies to you about it. Do you need to forgive this? Unfortunately, yes. It will be hard and feel impossible, but you do. Because this is about keeping your heart free and open. It has nothing to do with his behavior stopping or changing, or even if he apologizes or not. But do you need to believe him when he lies to you? No, a liar cannot be believed. And do you need to act as if it's totally okay that your husband has a porn addiction? No, because an addiction is not okay. It's not what God wants for him or for you or for your marriage. A reminder here, you cannot muster up trust for someone who has broken your trust. You can pray for an open heart to be ready to receive someone's changes and amends, But it is the person's responsibility who broke the trust to rebuild it, not yours. So take that load off your shoulders, sweet one. Sadly, you may be told that you need to trust. I'm going off my notes here (laughs) because I little soapboxy for a little for a minute here. Um, Others might tell you you need to trust him because he's the head of the home, he's your husband, you are one. If he is lying to you, if he's being unfaithful, if he has an addiction, if he's abusing you, you don't have to automatically trust him. You trust someone who has earned your trust. And if he, as the person who has broken it, has not made amends, will not do what he needs to do to rebuild it, you don't have to cower to phrases like, I can't believe you don't trust me yet, things like that. If someone is talking like that, that is coming from a place of defensiveness and they have not yet done the work that they need to do. Okay. Um, Your part is to keep your side of the street clean, meaning you follow God, you confess your sins, you have an accountability partner, if you need to or want to, your part is to gently confront him. You tell him not 12,000 times, just once or twice. You tell him what behaviors are unacceptable to you, what changes you feel to be need to be made. Brene Brown says clear is kind. You then tell him that you'll be following up with him in such and such a time frame. Your part is to pray for him. No one can pray more intimately for someone than your spouse. You know, the details of his heart and life like no one else. Um, your part is to follow through. If you set out some tasks of accountability, you must be consistent and check in to make sure he's done his part. If not, then you move on to the next step. And you see where I'm going with all this. Forgiveness is something you do with your heart as wide open as you can get it with you and Jesus. Trust is something you let someone else rebuild with your eyes wide open and Jesus protecting your heart. Love is not blind. That's cultural, not scriptural. Be wise and discerning. Forgive all, but trust only the trustworthy. Lastly, I want to just touch on this little phrase here that I've heard a lot. You've maybe even said it. Um, I just can't seem to forgive myself. I have heard this, I don't know how many times, I've heard this by women who've done horrible things, things they completely regret, things that haunt them things they just can't seem to let go of and move on from. And I totally get this. I have huge regrets in my life. A ton of choices that I would give anything to be able to do again in a different way if I could. But there's no going back. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't believe in plan B. So I obsess over the wrong choice or the sin and I kick myself and wonder what if And just carry that guilt and shame around with me as if it's tethered to my back. So I totally get the concept of quote unquote, not being able to forgive oneself. I just, I'm, I struggle with the wording. I'm not sure the words are right. And this is just my opinion. Um, I am kind of keying off the fact that I don't think it really says anywhere in the Bible. Like God saying, you need to forgive yourself. Jesus saying, you need to forgive yourself. Um, that phrasing isn't in scripture, which could be why I don't love it. I believe that when someone claims she cannot forgive herself over her divorce or her affair or her abortion or staying too long in an abusive situation or what the thing, whatever the thing is, that what she might really mean is deep down that she cannot truly believe that God has forgiven her or is even able to. That in her heart, she perhaps feels like what she has done has fallen just outside the boundaries of the grace of God. And we don't want to word it this way because um, we know how that sounds. It sounds like we're saying we don't believe the word of God is true when it says that we will be forgiven of all unrighteousness in 1 John 1 9. It sounds like we're saying that we think God, therefore, is a liar. It sounds like we're saying that what Jesus did on the cross was all good and fine, and then he died for the sins of the world, and that his death has conquered and killed sin, just not. Hours, at least not that one really bad thing, that our sin was too bad. And we don't want to sound like this is what we're saying. But if I have done something really awful, and I am sincerely sorrowful over it, and I have asked Christ to forgive me, I am forgiven. There is nothing else to add to that equation. Self-flogging is not part of the deal. It doesn't Make up for anything. It doesn't change anything. God didn't say that He'd send Christ to die for us. And we also need to beat ourselves up for a little while, a few years, the rest of our lives, and then we'll be forgiven. It's just the Jesus part. And there's nothing that falls outside of what was nailed to the cross. God isn't up there thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe she did that. I didn't make provisions for that. Now what am I going to do with her? I guess she'll just have to live with the guilt. (laughs) No. Sin, all of sin, your sin was taken out, was covered over. Even that really, really bad thing you did. In John 8, Jesus has this encounter. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. And Paul says in Colossians 3.13, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Girls, Jesus wants you free. So let me ask you, are you choosing, whether you think you are or not, are you choosing not to forgive someone who has hurt you? Here's a good way to determine that. When this person comes to mind, do you have imaginary conversations with the person telling them off, saying something mean, um, being sarcastic? Or if you're like actually interacting with this person, are you sarcastic? Are you irritable? Um, Do you withhold love and kindness? If that's how you feel about a person, I want you to ask yourself if you are possibly holding unforgiveness toward that person, or are you carrying around guilt? Do you have a secret? Is there something you've never said to anyone that you need to get off your chest? There's really only one way to untangle these knots, and it's to go to God. Ask him to help you forgive. Ask him to help you feel like you've forgiven. Ask him once and for all to forgive you. And then ask him to help you experience and feel his forgiveness. To choose to know it to be true even when you don't feel it. And then sweet girl, walk in that freedom. Okay. I'm going to post a link in the show notes to my Relationships 201 mini e-course, Marriage Methods, Heartbreak to Hope, a couple of resources. As always, if this episode or the All That to Say podcast has been meaningful to you, would you please consider sharing it, subscribing to it, rating it, reviewing it, or financially supporting it? All of these things help me to reach more women with the hope and healing and love of God. So sweet ones, all that to say, whether right now in your life you need to forgive or you need forgiveness, you are the unconditionally beloved daughter of God, and he is so delighted with you. You came into this world and you start each day already completely loved with no other loves to beg for and nothing to prove to anyone. Until next time, so, so much love. Hey there. So we all struggle from time to time. We all could benefit from taking small steps forward. So in case you didn't know, I've got 15 mini e-courses and right now they are all only $15 each. So where do you land these days? If you would give anything for a clean slate, I've got fresh starts. If you want to work on some of your childhood stuff, childhood wounds is for you. If you long to feel closer to Jesus, intimacy with God. If you want to use your gifts to bring redemption, beauty for ashes. If you are bored out of your mind, Try unstuck. If you want to live more authentically and contentedly, meaningful life is for you. If you struggle with overwhelm and anxiety, worry and trust can help. If you are struggling with at least one precarious relationship, Relationships 201 is filled with practical tools. If you're adjusting to one or all of your children leaving, try emptying your nest. If you are engaged or about to be remarried, remarriage ready, is for you. If you are adjusting to remarriage, try remarriage ref. If you want to use your gifts of writing and communication, so you want to be a writer. If you want to figure out what your needs are and how to get them met, try what are my needs. And if you know that there are some things not quite right, but you're not sure what, healing and wholeness can help. Each come with three or four weekly readings and journaling exercises. You can check them all out at Klein dot com slash courses, and I'll post a link in the show notes.